Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. All right, now I want you, you all should have uh, session three. Uh, Everybody got session three? All right, just go back to uh, page one a moment. I'd just like to refer uh, to that a little bit. On uh, page one, session one, uh, I've just put a survey, uh, who who wrote the epistle and bond servants, that was the law of the love slave and the saints and elders and bishops and deacons and so forth, Uh, the title of the book, the key words, and you'll notice under the key words, the date probably written, the key words were got joy and rejoice. Uh, used 18 times, mind or minded, or minds uh, 10 times, gospel 9 times, key verses and the purpose in writing, message of the book and outline diagram. Okay, now from that we're going to go to session 3. Everybody should have that. Now, what I want to talk to you about in our final session here, and I'm going to stick to our time, we've finished uh, half past, uh, I want, want you to notice that one of the key words in this epistle is the word mind. And uh, if you've got your Bible, if you mark your Bible, I'd like you to go through, I've put the 11 verses there, but I'd like to read them, uh, just the importance of it. So guarding your mind, I want to talk about that. I want to repeat a little bit, uh, I did Foundation Christian Doctrine ages back. There are some 10 or 11 references to the mind in the short epistle of Paul, as seen in the following references, KJV and UKJV. All right, Philippians 1, I'm going to read the whole verse. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind. So if you mark your Bible, I'd like you to underline the emphasis on the mind because we're going to be talking about that, guarding your mind. So stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Then chapter 2 and verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Like-minded. Now, I hope we've got a little bit of like-mindedness here. Okay, like-minded. Philippians 2, again, uh, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now, you'll notice all the way through Paul's concern for the Philippian church and the believers there that you be of one mind, like-minded. That's, uh, and next week we'll, we'll deal with that more fully. Then uh, in uh, Philippians 2, verse 3, Let this mind, NIV says, let this attitude be in you, but let this mind be in you, uh, which was also in Christ Jesus. We want to talk about that next week. What was the mind in Christ Jesus? Chapter 2 and verse 3. Well, I thought it was. Uh, Lowliness of mind, where's that? Uh, It's in verse 3. Okay. Oh, yes, yeah. 
Uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. You know, the danger of pride. You know, even pride of the word. Uh, as I often say, the more I know, the less I know. Lowliness of mind. You'll never exhaust it. And then go to the next reference, chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. And uh, it's used twice there. Um, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, uh, you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this to you. And then uh, verse 16 uh, nevertheless, where to, where, uh, where to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. And then uh, chapter 3, verse 19, um, whose end is their destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. We're minding heavenly things, not earthly things, which have passed away. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, uh, writing to the two ladies there. It's interesting how ladies were at the beginning of the church and Paul is writing to two ladies here who, who seem to be involved in ministry uh, to exhort them. I beseech you, Odious, and beseech uh, Syntyche, I think it is, that they be of the same mind in the Lord... So same mind. And then verse 4. Uh, verse 4, is it? Uh, ver, uh, ver, uh, uh, no, ver, uh, verse 7 I've got. I've got underlined here. And the peace of God which passes of all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If I've, I've missed one, you tell me afterwards. Okay, so the mind... Now, I want you to turn over to a couple of other scriptures here as uh, we go through our session here. Let's go through uh, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, a verse we know so, so very well. <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Acts and Romans follow on. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, I'll read it from New King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And, and uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed or literally transfigured by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think we all realize that when we come to Christ, we all have a mind of our own. <laughs> Everybody said amen. amen. And it's hard for us to get our mind renewed. And that's, that's what, you know, all the teaching and preaching and advanced track is about. And as we read the word ourselves, it renews our mind. So be transformed. And the word transformed is the same language as Jesus when he was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, be transfigured. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. So we're either conformed or transformed. 
How? By renewing of the mind. All right, now, so uh, I've got that there and underlined the three things. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and there be no divisions among you, but that you you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. And uh, the sentence I've got there, we will never speak the same thing unless we have the same mind and the same judgment or opinions. It takes the discipline of the mind. Uh, Tim Miller-Hay's book uh, speaks um, of your incredible brain. uh, This is what uh, Tim Miller-Hay says. Your brain is the most complex mechanism in the world and the most influential organ of your body. It accounts for your ability to think, remember, love, hate, feel, reason, imagine, and analyze. The principal difference between you and the animals, it is the one organ without which you cannot sustain life. I didn't quite like what Mark said uh, Saturday. He said, uh, cats and dogs, uh, dogs have bigger brains. What was that? And cats, but cats use what they've got. And then he said the same applies for men and women. That men have bigger brains, but women use them more. How many remember that? I, I made a note of that. I thought, I'm going to deal with him. That hurt my head. Just, just kidding. All right. The average brain. How many believe they've got an average brain? Okay. The average brain weighing about three pounds contains 12 billion cells, each of which is connected to 10,000 other brain cells, totaling 120 trillion brain connections. No wonder a scientist stated... The human brain is the most complex arrangement of matter in the universe. Some have compared the human brain to a sophisticated computer, but technology has not uh, even come close to duplicating its uh, uh, capabilities. Dr. uh, Gerhard Dirks, who holds 50 patents on the IBM uh, computer, told me that he acquired most of his inventive ideas from studying the functions of the human brain. Commenting on its complexity, he stated, if we could invent a computer that would duplicate the complexities of the human brain, it would take a structure the size of the Empire State Building just to house it. Your brain supervises everything you do from the involuntary beat of your heart to the conscious decisions of life. It controls hearing, sight, smell, speech, eating, resting, learning, prejudice, and everything else that makes you behave as you do. All right, now what I want to do here, I want to repeat something that I gave in Foundations of Christian Doctrine. So if you've done that class already, please bear with me and uh, I'm going to have you just help me a moment. Help this old man, uh, please. Uh, Well, I've got it. I've got it. Got that chart over there. You can have a little time out and say something to each other. That one there. Okay, now I want to... Uh, uh, you can put that on the, on the bottom, maybe. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, now, I don't... I, I, as I was uh, thinking on these lessons and... Uh, 
going through all the references uh, in Philippians on, on the mind, that's what Paul is writing to the church. If there's going to be unity in the church, there must be unity of mind. Uh, like uh, uh, Romans says that you speak the same thing and no divisions among you, but you perfectly be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. That was the thing. So what, what challenged me again, and that's why I want to repeat this again, I went back to the Garden of Eden, and if, if it's not on the statement here, I don't think it is, sin entered through the mind. So what has to happen now? Our minds have to be renewed until... And, and I'm sorry to say this. I, I think as I've, I've got older, I'm more conscious of it. Though our sins are forgiven, the law of sin is not yet removed. Let me say that again. Though our sins have been forgiven, the law and the principle of sin is not yet removed. None of us are sinless. Sorry about that. I'm not sinless, but my sins have been forgiven. Okay, I want you to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, first of all. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, we'll just take... uh, Verse two and uh, verses two and three. Okay, uh, I'm reading from New King James here again. Oh, that you would bear with me uh, in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. Now listen to what he says in verse two and three. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, not a dozen. One husband, which is Christ, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, you think what Paul is doing here. Then in verse 3, I'll come back to that. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent beguiled, old King James says, new King James, deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds should be, uh, may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, you think what Paul's doing here, he said, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, writing to the Pentecostal, charismatic Corinthian church. And he says, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. I've presented you to one husband. So it's like Paul feeling he's almost the best man and he wants to walk down the aisle and present the church as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's the picture that we have. Then he goes back in verse 3 to the very first virgin and the very first sinless bride. Please, I'm using the language carefully. Back to the very first virgin and the first sinless bride. And he says, I fear. What's your fear, Paul? Lest somehow as the serpent deceived. You see, Deception is Satan's first weapon and it's, it's, it's his last weapon. We are living in an age of deception and the only way for any of us, including myself, to not be deceived is say, God, give me a love for the truth. 
How many can say amen? So even if the truth hurts, the truth sets me free. Give me a love for the truth. So that's the picture I want you to go back to. I want you to go back to the first virgin and the first uh, marriage and the one husband in that case was Adam and the first virgin and how what happened to the mind because I'm talking about guarding your mind. Okay, now bear with me and let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Now, if you've already had this, uh, bear with me again. So Genesis chapter 3, and I'm just going to read the verses here and then comment. I'm watching our time here. Genesis chapter 3 and uh, verses uh, 1 through to, what did I say, 1 through to 6. Pardon me. I went down the wrong channel. (coughs) 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 Excuse me. Okay, now, verse 1. Now, the serpent, and we, we know who the serpent is, that old serpent, the devil, which is Satan, fallen angel, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now please notice, we're not against women or anything like that. Saw how the wonderful church at Philippi started. But here's the woman on her own. He didn't come to the man, Adam. So uh, the the woman said to the serpent, oh no, sorry. Um, He said to the woman, has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden or the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, uh, eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest ye die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she, she took off its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Uh, then we'll continue on a little bit. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Heard the voice, uh, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden, so forth. Okay, now let me just remind you of the of pic, uh, this picture here that I'm going to use. Now we're talking about guarding the mind and, and, and how sin entered the mind. So, Mr. and Mrs. Adam. That's Mrs. Adam with the dress on there, just in case. <laughs> he supposed to have pants on. Anyway, puts them in a beautiful garden and said, okay, you can eat of all the trees of the garden. The only tree, forbidden tree is the tree of the knowledge of and evil. Now, notice it was not the tree of the knowledge of evil. It was mixture. 
It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that's really important. Just keep that in the back of your mind. So now, what does the serpent do, the snake in the grass? He comes in and he knows about the command. And then, of course, over the other side, we have the tree of eternal life. Uh, that, that wasn't forbidden. There was only one forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, they are on what I call the ground of faith and obedience and to fulfill the purpose of God. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And, and don't throw this away altogether. Just stick it at the back of your mind. If Adam and Eve hadn't have sinned, they would have had perfect offspring. Do you think that the Edenic covenant has been frustrated? Or do you think God has some vast plan in eternity? Uh, I won't go any further on that. Don't throw it away. Could be right. Because, see, the cross is uh, the new covenant to bring us back to the Edenic covenant. Um, um, I'll have to hold that. So they're on the ground of faith and obedience and to fulfill the purpose of God, subdue the earth, have dominion over it, uh, be fruitful, multiply, and if they hadn't sinned, they would have had. This earth would have been populated with a race of sinless beings. Don't forget that. Nothing alters that. So now, the devil, the snake in the grass, he thought, okay, they've been given a command, only one thou shalt not. And I, I haven't got time to milk this, but when they broke that one commandment, that one thou shalt not, they broke the Ten Commandments. Uh, that was the seed. If you break one law, you're guilty of all. Um, I've asked you this before. How many have ever seen a notice, wet paint, do not touch? How many have touched it? Come on, you liars. I mean, there's something in me. Every time I see wet paint, do not touch, there's something in me that makes me touch it. Are you laughing at me or with me? I know, I know you're guilty. No parking. Yeah, no, no parking, yeah. Keep off the grass. Wet, you know, there's something in me, I don't know. But it's all happened here. Anyway, so what does the devil do? He thinks, okay, there's only one commandment here, one forbidden tree, the tree of knowledge, good and evil. So the only way I can get them off of the ground of faith and obedience, over to the ground of unbelief and disobedience, and frustrate the purpose of God, is I have to attack the word. Now, I put the seven steps down there. They're right out of foundation Christian doctrine, but uh, let's go through them. All right, the serpent, Revelation 12, uh, 9, had to attack the law word of God to bring about the fall. Seven uh, steps of attack. Number one, the first utterance, and uh, if you want to add extra notes here, that's, uh, that's okay with me. This is the first utterance of Satan in the Bible. So, the serpent was more cunning or subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? That's it. So what does he do? I've got it on the notes there. He puts a question mark over the word, has God said? And in other words, he puts a doubt into the mind of the woman. 
You've got to remember that. The doubt is the father to the lie. He puts a doubt into the mind of the woman. A doubt over the word. I don't think I can... Because, you know, I've had my own battles. But the Bible says this. The word says this. Yeah, but my feelings or something... It's what the word says. So, okay. Question in the word. Has God said a doubt is in the mind? And as I said before, doubt is the father of the lie. Now, the woman in my mind, and it's easy for me to say, but the woman in my mind should have run up to Adam and said to Adam, look, there's an occult meeting going on in the garden, a snake in the grass, and, and they tell me if Adam and Eve had been Chinese, they would have eaten the snake. <laughs> End of the story. <laughs> but it didn't happen that way. Where were you Chinese people? Okay. All right, so anyway, putting a doubt. So number one is putting a doubt over the word. And the devil is the same yesterday, today and forever. He still does it. Who wrote the Bible? Is it with the word of God? Look at all the contradictions and look at all the translations. They all contradict each other. If I, you know, I mean, my boss said to me, who's a Russian Jew, years ago when I was working at a regular job, he said, if I become a Christian, Kevin... Which church will I join? You're supposed to have the same Bible. You're supposed to be going to the same heaven. He said, "Where will I? Which church will I join?" How would you answer that? All right, I'm not going to tell you my answer. <laughs> All right. So now, instead of her running along, she added to the word. Now it's only a little word here, and it mightn't mean much, but I've also already said it. And the woman said to the serpent, instead of running back to Adam, because she's away in one way from covering, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Now, God didn't say, as far as I know, anything about touching it. That's like wet paint, do not touch, you know. Touching but adding to the word, not to touch it. All right, number three, the third step is there was an adulterating or watering down the word because I've underlined it in my Bible. God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest ye die. Now, the thing is, this is what the woman's got, two words. God said, you shall surely die, The devil says, the serpent says, you will not surely die. She waters the word down, lest she die. Now, what does the word less mean to you? For fear of. Yeah, it's it's for fear of, but, you know, but it's not surely. So she's watering the word down, taking away its full meaning, adultering or watering down the word lest we die. Then, number four, the step there, the serpent lies against the word. Remember, we said the doubt is the father to the lie. So, uh, number one was the putting the doubt into a mind. Now he comes out, right lie and lies. You shall not surely die. Now, I want you to go over to a scripture I've referred to before, 2 Thessalonians and I'm sorry to do this to you, but I, I felt such a strong conviction over this thing about a mind. 
Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Everybody doing okay? All right, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, as far as we know, this is referring to the Antichrist and so forth. But I want you to notice, uh, let's pick up in verse 3. And the emphasis on the word deceive here. Let no one deceive you by any means. So deception. For that day, what day? Verse 1. Concerning, now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him, second coming and rapture, together unto him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as supposedly coming from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, that day of coming and gathering, second coming and the rapture, that day will not come unless there come a fallen away comes first, or an apostasy, the Greek word there is, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all this called God or this worship. Uh, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. And uh, some of you may be looking for a rebuilt temple. Did you know that most of the New Testament writers say, you are the temple of God? Don't throw it away. It could be right. We look for the Antichrist out there. Have you ever thought the Antichrist will sit in the temple? showing himself that he is God. I have got time to milk any of that. Do you not remember that when I was uh, still with you, I told you these things? Uh, reading from old James here. Now you know uh, what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now lets or restrains uh, will restrain until he be taken out the way. And uh, then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and here it is again, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And here I want you to note the word because, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, what cause? Not having a love for the truth. That's why I said, God, give me a love for the truth, even if it hurts me, because know the truth that sets you free. So give me a love for the truth, uh, because they receive not a love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, what cause? No, no love for the truth. God shall send them strong delusion that they all might believe the lie, that they all might be, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, see, believe a lie or believe the truth, who had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right, now let's go back. I only read all that. So here is the serpent standing before the woman now, and he's gradually getting her on his side, put a doubt in the mind, 
She's softened the word down a bit, added to the word, watering it down a bit. Now he's lying. So the woman is faced with two words. God said, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. The devil says, you shall not surely die. One is the truth, one is the lie. Which is she to believe? Which are we to believe? I say, God, give us a love for the truth. We know the tragic results. She believed the lie. Doubt is the father to the lie. I've said that. All right, let's go to step number five. And I got this uh, from Charles Finney. uh, The serpent number five, step number five. Now notice... And that's, that's why we, you know, get brainwashed with the word. It's all an attack against the word. God says this. Has God said this? God said, you should surely die. But I'm saying, you'll not surely die. It's all an attack against the word. And uh, I, I don't feel like I overemphasize that. And you can say amen. He hates the word. He hates the living word, Jesus. He hates the written word, the Bible. He hates the spoken word. He hates the word. I, I say, God, give us a love for the word. And that's why I know you're here tonight. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Kevin, for that overwhelming amen. Okay. Now, notice what Finney says. The serpent slandered the word. Charles Finney says, this is his definition of slander, telling the truth in such a way as to give the lying or false impression. Now let me say that again, and then I want to milk that a little bit. Telling the truth in such a way as to give the lying or the false impression. Now, this is what the devil says. God knows in the day you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, how many believe God knows good and evil? Hands up. Ask your question. How many haven't got a hand? How many are still chicken? Okay, go to the end of chapter 3. And... uh, We'll go to verse 22. I'm reading from old King James here because I've got a mark. Okay, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold the man, and both man and woman, uh, is become as one of us. How like one of us? Plurality there in the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Behold the man is become as one of us. What? To know good and evil. So God knows good and evil. Hang on a minute. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also, see little words we miss so much, and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, after they had this tree, if they had partaken of the tree of eternal life and eaten and lived forever, they would have eaten and lived forever in an unredeemable state. So God said, no. 
not this tree. Uh, let, let, uh, are you getting this? Are you getting it? I hope it's not too heavy. Okay, it's very important. So, what happened? Let me read verse 22 again. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. I'll qualify that in a moment. Uh, moment. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the chair. And the word place there is God caused a tabernacle. That was the first tabernacle. Before the tabernacle of Moses and temple of Solomon, there was the tabernacle of Eden. So he, uh, he drove out the man and placed, uh, tabernacled at the east. Why toward the east? Because Jesus would come to the Middle East of the Garden of Eden. Cherubims. Cherubims. Think of that. And a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way the tree of life. Now, let me just uh, digress here a moment. Ten minutes. Okay, so here they are. They've partaken of the forbidden tree. And God says, okay, lest they partake of this tree. So he caused to dwell a tabernacle and put cherubims and a flaming sword. And as Adam and Eve were driven out the garden and think, oh, if only we could get back to the garden. If only we could get a bite out of that tree and eat and live forever. They didn't realize, you know, sin of ignorance of the curse that would come on the human race that were yet unborn. And so cherubims and flaming sword. But we've got to get through the sword. Someone's got to get through the sword. Make the way. Now, run on a little, little bit here. Can't milk it too much. But in the tabernacle of Moses, we have cherubims and not a flaming sword, but cherubims in the veil. And when you entered within the veil, there was blood on the mercy seat. Someone, and blood is the evidence of death, someone had been through the sword. And uh, I, I can't do this, I'm trying to write a little booklet on it. Uh, did you know what the word cross is never used once in the book of Acts? Every time it refers to the death of Jesus, I'm spoiling a little booklet I'm trying to work on. Jesus hung on a tree. Man sinned by a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. Calvary is Calvary's tree. But some of the, I nearly said the wrong word, dumb, stupid translations, people don't know what a tree is, so they change it to the word cross. And in doing so, they've robbed us of what I'm talking about tonight. Man sinned by a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. And he opened. And the first promise to the first church in the book of Revelation is, to him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life. Amen. Oh, that's worth a hallelujah. I mean, I've been, I'm working on that at the moment. I'm forbidden to, but not by God. So man sinned by a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. And he opened this tree. 
in Genesis, we have this tree. In the Gospels, we have this tree and the book of Acts. And in Revelation, we have that tree. Wow. What a picture. I've got to finish. Okay, let me go back to this word slander. I've got five more minutes. Uh, Telling the truth in such a way as to give the lying or false impression. Now, God knows good and evil, but can only do good and be good. We know good and evil, and apart from the provenient grace of God, we'll only do the evil. That's why I say, though our sins are forgiven, that law is not yet eradicated. I'm sorry. How many agree with me there? Okay. All right. So, number six, quickly. Believing the lie over against the truth of God. She believed the lie. You'll not surely die. And then she gave to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the man and the woman disobeyed the law word of God. Deception, they fell from faith to unbelief. So the whole purpose of attack on the word was to get them off of the ground of faith and obedience over to the ground of unbelief and disobedience. Uh, I don't think I've got it there. Uh, Put it down. Romans 5, Romans 5 over here. By one man's disobedience, we were all made sinners. Romans 5 Verse 11 to 21, Romans 5, 11 to 21. And then uh, uh, you might like to put this statement down. Andrew Murray, I got it from. He said, Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. That is so profound. By one man's disobedience, we were all made sinners. By one man's obedience, we can be made righteous. So Andrew Murray puts it this way, Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. So that's, that's where it is. We, God just wants us to obey the word. Repentance, water baptism, faith towards God. He just wants us to obey. How many can say amen? So Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. Okay, uh, let's finish now. I'm just about finished. Uh, let us see. Are you, are you getting something out of this? I'm repeating some things here. Uh, let us see the unguarded gates of the mind. The enemy always attacks the gates to get into the city. And there are two gates that were left unguarded. The serpent was talking to the woman, the ear gate. She shouldn't have listened. She said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Should have ran to Adam. Both of them. That's it. The ear gates. And so what I'm saying, guard the gates. Guard what goes into your ears. I mean, we could spend a lot of time on that. Why did God say in the cleansing of the leper, Put the blood on the ear and on the two on the thumb and on the toe. Because the ear was defiled, listening to the serpent, and the thumb as she walked over the tree and took of the fruit, gave to her husband as she walked over. So those three things need to be cleansed. 
Then after the blood was the oil. It's all there. Then the eye gate, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and a tree to be desired to make one wise, you will be his gods. She took it. That was it. And then sin entered the mind, deceived the mind. That's the whole purpose of Paul is saying, be of one mind, be united, be like-minded. Let the mind that's in Christ be in you. Okay, the first word of the gospel is repentance. First word of the gospel, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And a lot of faith preaching today goes beyond. See, the first word of the gospel is in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Not believe. I had one man in ministry in New Zealand tell me, never preach repentance. I don't believe in repentance. That's a Jewish word. I said, well, what's the word for the church? He said, only believe, only believe. I said, a lot of people don't have genuine faith because they've never come to genuine repentance, which is a change of mind, change of direction. And then the ground of faith and obedience. So I've I've done that. Uh, Satan wanted to get them off of the ground of faith and obedience onto the ground of unbelief and disobedience. And then I've quoted Andrew Murray, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And let me finish on this last one. <clears throat> How did Jesus, who was tempted in all points as we, like as we are, yet without sin, how did he overcome? Every temptation he had, the living word used the written word. And if the living word used the written word, and his favourite book was Deuteronomy apparently, If the living word used the written word to overcome temptation, how much more do we say? Get the word, brainwash yourself with the word. And then the conclusion, everybody say hallelujah. Keep or guard, garrison your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be transfigured in in your mind and then uh, think on these things. uh, Whatsoever things are pure and honest and everything like that. Wow. Discipline of the mind. Make Jesus the Lord of your mind. I think that's enough for the night. How many of you feel you've got something out of that? Wow. I've been challenged again myself, just uh, resetting this and going through Philippians. Let's, uh, Let's stand. And thank you for being such a good people. So don't forget, half past four next week, and the 10 minute break in between and we do two sessions and we're balancing out. So you should have got three sessions tonight, almost. Anybody want a refund? Okay. Father, we just, uh, once again, are just overwhelmed uh, with your word, Lord. And, and we, Jesus, you died on, on Calvary's tree and opened the way to the tree of eternal life. We've had such a belly full of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you want us to take us from that tree to the tree of eternal life and feed on that. Help us, Lord, throughout this week, we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. See you next week. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.